Welcome to the British History Podcast. My name is Philippa Lacey Brule and I want to extend a warm welcome to you. If you are new here, hi, thank you for joining. And if you are returning, thank you so much for your support. In this podcast, we explore all sorts of things that have gone on in British history. We look at people, we look at events, we look at outcomes and perhaps look at them from a different perspective than usual. If you would like to support me in this free podcast, this podcast will always remain free, but if you would like to support me, then you can head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash British history. And you can choose the tier there that would suit you best, starting from any £3 a month just for your kind support. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. The 28th of November, 1290, and Eleanor of Castile dies just outside Lincoln. She was absolutely adored by her husband, and he was devastated. He sought to commemorate her in an extraordinary way. Eleanor was the wife of Edward I. She had been 13 years old when they married, he had been 15. Of course it was a political match, royal marriages at the time were, but this turned into a love match. They adored each other, they shared interests, and she went on crusade and campaign with him. In 36 years of marriage they were hardly ever apart. She had 15 or 16 pregnancies, and there is no evidence to suggest that either of them were unfaithful to the other. They were a very couple couple. They, were, they spent their time together, they loved each other, they loved being each other's company, and they were a real support to each other. They had had a joint coronation on the 19th of August, 1274. Edward had become King of England on the death of his father, Henry III, in November, 1272, which we covered in a previous week. Now, as I said, Eleanor accompanied Edward on crusade and on campaign, and while in Gascony, she contracted malaria, which was quite rife in Europe at this, at this time. She had been well enough to travel back to England, but at the end of October, while the court was at Clipston in Nottinghamshire, she developed a fever. Now, despite best efforts to treat her where she was, it was decided that she would travel the 25 miles to Lincoln, possibly to be nearer to the uh, shrine of St. Hugh at the cathedral there. Now, although the party moved in slow, short stages, it became obvious that Eleanor wasn't going to take any more travel, and they stopped at Harby, at the home of a local knight. And this is where Eleanor would die a week later, just after her 49th birthday. Now, Eleanor hadn't been particularly loved by the English population at large. She'd never bothered to learn English like her husband had, but she was absolutely adored by her husband, and he was devastated. He loved her as much in death as he had in life and he sought to commemorate her in an extraordinary way. Eleanor's body was brought back to London from Lincoln in a solemn procession which took almost a fortnight and she was interred in a tomb near to that of Edward the Confessor at the newly rebuilt Westminster Abbey which had been rebuilt by Henry III, her father-in-law. She was laid to rest in Westminster on the 17th of December and a couple of years later when it was ready her effigy was placed on top of the tomb. It was cast in bronze and finished with gold and gleamed and glittered. 
Her tomb, though, was not going to be the only thing to commemorate Edward I's wife. She had three tombs. Her other tombs, one was at Lincoln and the other at Blackfriars. At Lincoln is where her entrails were buried other than her heart. Blackfriars is where her heart was buried at her uh, request. But in addition to her three tombs, Eleanor had 12 memorial crosses. One was put up at every place that her body had rested on that journey from Lincoln to London. These were known as the Eleanor crosses and memorial crosses are designed to encourage people to pray for the dead. And Edward, of course, wanted his queen uh, to be remembered and to be her soul to be prayed for. Of the 12 crosses, only three survive. One at Geddington, this cross would have been painted, there would have been gilding on it, it would have shone, it would have sparkled. Um, now, none of that is still there, but you can the cross itself, you can still see, is elaborate and beautiful. And yet, this is one of the lesser crosses. Accounts show that the crosses at um, Cheapside and Charing cost almost seven times that of the one at Geddington. The one at Charing obviously gives the name to the what we what we now call it Charing Cross and Cross is is because of that Eleanor Cross that was there. Neither the crosses at Cheapside or Charing remain. They they didn't survive the Civil War along with many other of the crosses and other uh, things didn't buildings and memorials didn't survive the civil uh, English civil wars of the 17th century. But you can see a Victorian mock-up of what they think the cross would have looked like outside Charing Cross Station. The location where the cross stood had a very interesting follow-on history and if you're interested in that I have a video which is rather boringly entitled, maybe I should change this, uh, called Charing Cross Traffic Island Story, <laughs> which I'll put a link to in the notes, but that basically tells you why the cross isn't there anymore and what happened afterwards, which is very interesting indeed. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Till the next episode, take care, have fun. I'll see you next time. Bye.